Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Lonnie, if I'm honest, I thought there would be more explanation of the voice. Of Ellis's voice? How he got the voice, of why, how he formed the voice, why he had the voice. Yeah. As I said to you after we saw this film together, it's like, there's no one else who sounds like him, is there? It's a very particular voice in world history. And it's, it was sort of like, because he grew up in a black neighbourhood, maybe... There was some influence, but then no. Why does he speak like that? I think it's just him. Strange. But ha- but <laughs> how? Like as a child, as ba- like baby Elvis was going around, the mm. mum passed him a little cracker, and he says, "Thank you very much." <laughs> they also didn't explain Tom Hanks's voice in this film, so mm, it's true. <laughs> Listen, it's a movie of weird voices. <laughs> Hello there, this is I Kinda Like Your Movies. My name's Bonnie, I'm here with Sinead. How's it going, Sinead? Hello, good, thank you. For once in the blue moon, we get together and watch films in person these days. You came down from International Space Station to see Elvis. Specifically for that reason, yep. Yeah, and, and thanks everyone for making the planes go past again as soon as we start <laughs> recording on the podcast. Thanks for arranging that, everybody. <laughs> um... Elvis, by way of Baz Luhrmann, and if you can picture in your mind for a moment a Baz Luhrmann-directed Elvis biopic, this is what you're thinking of. Yeah. Exactly what you're thinking of. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. All that is good and all that is bad about that, and I think mainly good, to be honest. Yeah. Pretty wild, hey, Sine? And not a traditional biopic, as you would have imagined with with, um, Baz being involved, obviously, but also... It's a biopic about Elvis through the eyes, through the lens of his manager, which is an interesting choice, isn't it? It is an interesting choice. I don't know if it's the right choice given Hmm. who he is as a person. But, well, I just feel like it's like making a film about how awful Marilyn Monroe's manager, director, studio exec was to her. The one who she's buried next to. I'm pretty sure she isn't. She buried next to he Hefner. That's weird because they were never oh, actually met in person. Yeah, something like that. But what I'm saying is it's just a weird, I don't know, like maybe don't focus on well, the bad person that did the bad things to the person you're trying to tell a story about. Well, if you, if you remember back to the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, mm-hmm. very similar in that sense of them being screwed over by manager. Yep. I'm pretty sure it didn't happen also to Elton John and his biopic. Yep. <laughs> Seems like, to just be a thing. just get a good manager? <laughs> Why are you always getting bloody manipulated? And well, I think the problem is they have abused. they have a good manager, and then they get someone who comes along and says, "What this guy's doing for you, I could be doing ten times more." That mm. I think in Elvis's case, sort of explored in the movie, is that he was a bit um, 
egotistical and a bit greedy in some ways and mm. want, didn't wasn't happy with one pink Cadillac. He wanted 200 pink Cadillacs, you mm. know. Not that it's his fault. It's just it seems like greed comes hand in hand with celebrity sometimes. What it reminds me of is this something you see with lots of young people who become successful and it can be actors, it can be musicians in this case, it can be sports stars. Another example I see a lot of is that they get this success when they're probably not ready for it, like mm. before they're mature enough to handle it. And I think a lot of the time they get a bit stunted mm. where they were when they first became successful and because they don't have to go through the same struggles like the rest of us do when they mature and they're given so much fame and attention for doing their particular um, activity. And also I think they're quite simple people. And I, I don't mean that in any sort of um, negative sense, but I feel like Elvis as a person just wanted to sing songs and make movies, right? Yeah. And the same I, I see with sports stars is like they just want to play footy or cricket or tennis or whatever it is. And everything else is a bit complex and a bit complicated, you know, and they they just want to live their lives and, and do their chosen activity. Um, and, and then they, get, they can get manipulated by people who want to make money off off them mm. and and I, I, this quote from a footballer is like all he ever wanted to do was buy his mom, buy his mum a house mm. and he did that when he was 22 he's like what do i do the rest of my life now mm. you know that's all that's kind of a thing here with elvis is like he had he was the world's most famous singer for a few years there it's like what do you do next you know yeah and well i guess what you do next is get financially abused for the rest of your life by mm. By this creepy dude who everyone can tell is a creep from from, from the get-go, except yeah. you apparently. But I think that that's something about Elvis. It's like he, at least in this betrayal, in this in this film, don't know how accurate it is to real life. It's like he could have broken out and not done as he was told by this guy, but that would have involved having that bit more maturity than which he perhaps didn't couldn't quite grasp as someone who was who stopped maturing or in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's been told he can't go overseas. He's got to stay in Vegas doing these shows. Mm. And I said to you, isn't he a grown man who can decide his own life? But that would have been so scary if you've, someone else has been deciding your whole life for you since you were, you know, were you like 19 or something when you first started out? I think not only that, but it, it sort of loses the nuance of what emotional manipulation is. And sure. if he, there was the threat that if he left, then he'd lose all his money. And, and he tries mm. that in the film. Like, he tries to leave and look what happens. The colonel says, you owe me all this money and he has to reluctantly come crawling back, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, that, I'm not, that's a very good point. He was being manipulated all, all throughout. So, mm. yeah, but, you know, you think again, Elvis, you're really successful. You could make, make back $8 million pretty fast, you know. You could do something, but you're right. That That is that is part of the manipulation, isn't it, that it, it – they make it seem to you that you have no other options, so you should be grateful for what you've got rather yeah. than trying to break out of or potentially the bad situation. Um, and you're right, he's, he's, he's got a pretty good life by some standards. He's got all the Cadillacs and all the fame and fortune that he that he could want. So, yeah, it is, it is a tough one. It's crazy to think, though. He, he only did, like, I think two or three concerts outside of America and they were in Canada his whole life. That's insane. It's not weird. It, that's just... You know, compared to the Beatles who came along a few years in his, his life and they did worldwide tours and that became the sort of the norm after that, didn't it? Yeah. 
you didn't just have one one concert hall in Vegas that you did every night. <laughs> Strange. Um, should we talk about it as a film, though, Sine? Mm-hmm. It's a kaleidoscope. It is mm. one long montage, you, can, you could potentially argue. It is Baz Luhrmann doing Baz Luhrmann, isn't it? It's kind of cool visual composition, mm-hmm. quite artistic stylization. Just really cool, like, editing style as well. Yeah, it's it's like, I don't know, it, it's it's a bad comparison, but it's like those things, it's like a regular biopic on crack or, you know. <laughs> it's like mixed with vignette and mixed with, yeah, some normal quote-unquote scenes. It's like one giant music video in some ways, but also yeah. regular film. It also keeps up for two hours, and two and a half hours. It is a right? long film. It is a long one. <laughs> feels a bit top-heavy, too. I think it got really good towards the end. Yeah. It took a while to get there. Um, Baz's films are always long, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's funny to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Sinead, but mm-hmm. no one else does it like Baz, do they? Like No. Is anyone else there they're making films like this? And he's been around since, like, early 90s now, and he certainly makes his, his style of film, but I haven't seen many imitators. I can't think of anyone else who might say, oh, they're doing a bit of Baz in this film. It just seems like he does it and no one else is brave enough to try. I think it's the same as any auteur, right? Like Wes Anderson, are there people who imitate him? Like I mean, he's just Wes Anderson. No, 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 that's, that's fair enough point, I guess. I guess if you're that distinctive, no one else that's true. even attempts to. But I feel like, you know, when, when people have done the, the sort of style of like Quentin Tarantino, for example, where they you know make make people talk about pop culture as they're doing gangster stuff like mm-hmm. that's kind of you can see that sort of happening and yeah I, maybe it's just because it, it would take so much money and 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 style and panache to do it like Baz Luhrmann that everyone else still in their own style it makes sense but you just feel like someone else out there would, would try and do something like this but it doesn't seem like it yeah um the other thing that's funny for an Australian audience is noticing all the Australian actors populating the cast yes <laughs> For a long time, I thought Austin Butler was Australian, but apparently not. Um, but a lot of the other cast, though, aren't they? Yeah, Olivia, gosh, Dejonge, Dejonge. Mm. Sorry, Priscilla. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. She is incredible as Priscilla. Um, a bit underwritten, but you're totally yes. right. Her performance is, is spot on. Uh, Richard Roxburgh makes an appearance. Xavier Samuel, David Wenham. Confusing to me to have Richard Roxburgh and David Wenham in the same film. Okay, you're going to laugh at me. It took me a bit to be like, oh, that's right. They're different people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I just kept that um, to myself because I thought you'd think that of me. Nice. I, I was with you. I was like, no, wait no. a second. <laughs> um, Cody Smith-McPhee is there as well. and Like one scene? That, yeah. It's funny to me that he's in this film given he's a bit of a superstar, but I guess this was shot during COVID times and mm. it seems like, yeah, The Power of the Dog came out before it's like he shot, shot three COVID films and... Mm, they're all sort of coming out. Yeah. But he was accessible beforehand and, and yes. he will continue to be as well. But it kind of feels like his moment was before this and now he's in this as a minor character. It kind of feels a bit strange. Mm. That said, I mean, why wouldn't you be in a Baz Luhrmann film, like, if you're an actor? Yeah. Um, Zachary Montgomery as well, who is the one you thought was Zac Efron-esque. Very Zac Efron-esque, guys. Mm. He was in Stranger Things as Billy, and he's also in Power Rangers, and he's, he's really good. But it was like, for a second, I was like, is that Zach? Because <laughs> Zach could have been Elvis, couldn't he, in a different timeline in this sort of film? Could he? 
I reckon he could have played him. Really? Yeah, in the film, I mean. Mm. Don't you reckon? No. Is that Kefron? No. Why not? I, I. It sounds like you're on crack right now. It sounds like <laughs> you're saying, like, I don't know, J- Dame Judy Dench could play Elvis. Listen, I, she probably could. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. Should we talk about the performance of Elvis from Austin Butler? Sure. Did you, did you like it? Did you think it was good? Did you think he got lost in the role? So I don't know a lot about Elvis and I haven't seen a lot of candid clips of him. So I, was, mm. I wasn't comparing him to my already sort of lived experience of how he was. Right. So you knew that Elvis, the sort of the, the highlights everyone knows. I knew Elvis was existed as a person, essentially founded rock and roll. I knew yeah. the hysteria around him. We've seen a couple of his films and I knew how he died, essentially. Sure. And, I, I mean, he's Austin Butler is everything I thought Elvis would be in my head. I mean, there wasn't anything mm. that I was like, no. <laughs> um, yeah. It seems like he's gone real into method, though, and has kept the voice even in promotion of the film, which is mm. kind of weird. I'm more concerned, like, for his career, what does he do after this? Because there's a real chance that you're... You're only this, you know? Mm, I see, yeah. Yeah, he's, well, he's in a few things coming up. I think he's in the new June, like the second June and things. So, mm. But you're right, this could be a sort of overwhelming performance, couldn't it? What did you think of him? I thought he was pretty good. And it got to a certain point where I, I wasn't watching someone be Elvis. I was watching yeah. like this interpretation of Elvis sort mm. of formed, I think, which was really good. That's you know, what you want when you're doing a biopic. I think it also helped, you know, I've spoken about biopics on various podcasts in the past about how silly it is when they change things just for the sake of the film. And if you're going to do it, you may as well go big. And that's what Baz does. It does feel like a dream, doesn't it? It feels like a he's making an interpretation of Elvis and he's not saying this is Elvis and this is what happened. He's saying this is kind of like my dreamlike interpretation of real life events, which I think works. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, yeah, I, I was supportive of it. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a nom, to be honest, next year, given that, you know, biopics are a, f- a huge fodder for um, Oscar nominations. I don't know if you'll win, but potentially might get a nom. We'll see. Tom Hanks, though, it's a, it's a choice, isn't it? Yeah. Several choices have gone into his performance. So... People are saying it's the worst of his career, right? 
doesn't seem to be very highly regarded. I mean, how much of that is just the voice, though? It's just him running around, go sing the Santa Claus song. The Santa Claus, the Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> it did get to a point where I was like, can we shut up about running the Santa Claus? It became a, a bit Santa of a class. parody. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know how to feel about it, to be honest. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously there's the issue, so he was wearing a fat suit for the film, and I'll link mm. in the show notes, Beckshaw wrote an interesting article about um, Emma Thompson wearing a fat suit for the new Matilda that's being mm. made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we're having a conversation. I'm not sure yes. what the solution is, but I'm glad we're talking about it. Eh? I'm a little bit surprised that Tom Hanks isn't getting any flack for that. It seems to mostly mm. be aimed at Emma Thompson and... My sort of misogynistic alarm bells are just doing a light ringing in the distance. Um, and also because, you know, Tom Hanks is very beloved, but you'd think Emma Thompson was as well. I don't know. I just wonder if people aren't criticising him as much because it's Tom Hanks, you know? Yeah, is, is part of that that Tom Hanks is a bigger guy as well? It's not, but you're totally right. He is putting on a, a it is a, like there's a nose and everything's put there and he's, he's a fat suit. Yeah. Obviously. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. He does portray this as a larger-than-life sort of caricature. However, mm. I think that's the style, that's Baz Luhrmann's style. Like, just thinking back to Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. like um, Jim Broadbent as the head mm. person, showrunner at the Moulin Rouge, yeah. he's la- a larger-than-life character, a sort of carnival-esque, you know, um, what's it called? The person in charge of the carnival? The... Ringmaster. Ringmaster. The circus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's just the style of Baz's writing, right, is is it's just sort of they're very stylized characters. They're not very – he's not playing into a sort of realistic style of not, not at all. storytelling, which is interesting because Austin's performance is so grounded in reality. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I feel like if you if you pulled Tom Hanks out of this film and put him in any other film, it would not work at no, all. No, no. It'd be totally bizarre. And seeing a clip, you know, of it on, on the trailer or, you know, online, just seeing a clip, very strange to watch it. It's a very strange performance. I think it works, though, in in It universe. sort of does, yeah. yeah. It sort of does. So I think that's fine. It's, it's, a, it's a strange man, from all counts, too, mm. to put it lightly. Mm. So he was a... The carnival guy too. He was a, a traveling sort of um, performer, manager of traveling performers, and then he found himself managing Elvis. But he was a bit of a shyster, it seems too. And the yeah, as the film says, one of the reasons that he didn't want Elvis to go overseas is because he himself didn't have a passport. He was in the country illegally. Yes. <laughs> a bit much. To, um... Also, he had Elvis on like really bad contracts, so he was getting like fifty percent of his earnings. Mm-hmm. And potentially one of the reasons he didn't want Elvis to go overseas without him was that Elvis might find out that he's getting a raw deal, you know, and yeah. buy him. So yeah, but and it does does show you that this sort of toxic para parasitical parasitical relationship can can start. But yeah, I don't know if Elvis wanted it any other way. Yeah, it, it would have taken a lot of effort to to disentangle himself from this guy, wouldn't it? It's a really tragic story in a way. Like, Very tragic. You know, watching, there are so many people who let him down. Like, there's a doctor mm-hmm. who they had on call who was literally just injecting what? him with morphine, all sorts of drugs to make sure that he can get up and perform. 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously addicted to prescription medicine, alcohol. Yeah. And the film doesn't delve into his um, later years where he was very unhealthy, mm. um, which I think is good. I don't think we needed to to wade into that too much because I think it's a celebration of Elvis as much as it is about his story. Yeah. So I'm glad that they didn't make a huge deal of that. Um, but you're right. The fact that he was enabled in those in so many ways and and not helped is is, is really quite tragic because he was only forty two when he died. Yeah, like, his... he was born nineteen thirty five. He could still be alive today. Yeah, you know, isn't that crazy? And his dad was there and everything as well, and seemed to just be quite a spineless man who yeah. didn't stand up for his son. And I I took exception to the fact that in the film, um, Tom Parker essentially blames the general public for Elvis's death. Yeah. He's like, oh, the thing that killed him was you, his love for you. You see, he yeah. loved you too much, guys. That's why he went off the deep end. It's like, I know that was done for effect, but like, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I like to think that we're having the right reaction by saying, hey, no, that's not right. Yeah. I think that's Baz's challenge to us potentially as an audience. Yes. And that that's him justifying his actions. But you're right, there was a bit much, wasn't it? There is something to be said about performers who do give up give up so much of themselves to us as audiences to enjoy them, you know, to mm. get a kick out of their performances. And where does it leave the actual performer underneath it all? They're they're still mm-hmm. a person. They're not just Elvis on stage singing for us. It's actually the person yeah. underneath all that. Mm. A real tragedy for me was when he revealed Elvis revealed in the film that he always wanted to make a really um, dramatic and well-regarded film and mm-hmm. that he James was Dean never style. yeah was never really able to and it's posited that you know his first film appearance didn't go down very well because people wanted to see Elvis sing and so in mm. a way then he just turned these into cameos rather than actual dramatic performances it's an interesting thing where obviously you've got the whole his manager wouldn't probably let him be an actor wanted him to be a singer because he could make more money that way mm. but also the way that we paint people as a certain type of person and if they don't fit with our view of them, then we don't accept that. Like for whatever reason, Elvis was in the cultural consciousness as a singer and so when he tried to do something else, we just went, that doesn't really fit with how we think you are as a person. Um, mm. I just yeah, think it's really like tragic. People... It seemed like he had a real, you know, aspiration there that he was unable to fulfil. Well, yeah, and people couldn't shake Elvis, the singer, in yeah. the film universe, so he was never given a good shot at it. But is that because they were chasing just, you know, the film is actually just a promotion for his latest album, his latest songs? Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a tragic sort of you know, snaking its own tail sort of thing there about mm. who's really at fault. I've read a story that when Elvis turned up to his first movie set, he was so nervous and didn't quite know what to prepare for that he'd memorised the whole script, not just his lines, but the, everyone's lines. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. It could have been a bit of a story been told since then. But, yeah, I, I haven't watched... Like, I've seen these films around on TV and stuff. It used to be on TV, like, on holidays and stuff as a kid, you know. Yeah. You know, we watched Blue, Sa- Blue Suede Shoes together, did we not? I don't remember that. Really? I don't think so. Maybe there's someone else you were... I don't think so. ...doing a podcast with. <laughs> I thought we watched... I don't recall. Okay. I'd be interested in watching some of them, though, to see what they were like. Hmm. It's a shame because you feel like, you know, potentially if they weren't going to be able to 
shake the public's perception of him as an act as a singer in the films but they could have used that in some way in, within the film hey does something interesting with it but now it also sounds like the the tom hanks character colonel tom parker was wanted to make them for as cheap as possible the films and then make as much money off them rather than like let's sit down let's, let's spend six months or writing a good script and then let's spend a lot of time making it perfect it's like no make the latest thing make more money for me right away sad blue hawaii is the film that we've seen i don't recall this we literally did though when at Chermside on mm. the television okay we watched blue hawaii i don't, I don't think we this. saw any of the others but we saw blue hawaii i think you're lying but okay no it's oh my god <laughs> Name one thing that happened in that movie. I couldn't tell you. He sings. Oh, right. Okay. At a party thing. thing. Or do we just watch it on TV? Like, happened to be on one night. We watched a bit of it. Hmm. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. We'll, we'll correct this in the future. We'll watch it <laughs> together. We'll go back to our old house. Yes. <laughs> knock on the door. Right, we're just going to be a fan tune for a second and watch this. <laughs> um, yeah. One, one thing I wanted to mention, which is cool. Like, two things I've just remembered. First thing, you mentioned people who are letting him down. What about the people who were hanging around riding his coattails? And, Ugh. Yeah, I hated that. There were like three people who were like, wake up, he's being awful to you. And the rest mm. of them are just like, la di da di da I like getting yeah. the free stuff. I know, we've got a good deal here because our friend is successful and we were just hanging around. Mm-hmm. Dodgy. Um, one thing that, that's talked about with Elvis is that, you know, he was the acceptable white face for black american music right mm. and i'm glad that the film goes into that i'm not sure if it goes into it that much or that well but at least it mentioned it hey that he was you know supportive and enmeshed in this community of, of black singers and he was he was reinterpreting it and doing his own spin on it but not without realizing and not with not stealing it for his own benefit but he was celebrating it you his, said that he impression i got he credited all of the people he borrowed the songs from right yeah, I think I think that that's true, and and I mean, the interpretation is that the audience loved it because he was a white dude, and like was that Elvis's fault that he's the one who is doing this and he becomes successful. Mm. But if he's doing everything he can to, yeah, I don't know the particularly history, but the film at least indicates that um, Elvis was doing it knowingly and was was celebrating it rather than stealing it, which is the yeah. Some of the comments, the it's interesting because I I don't know a lot about Elvis. Um, other than the, you know, things I said before. Mm. But I didn't realise how big of a role he played during sort of segregation times where he, he almost bridged the white people and the black people through music, you know. It's like the white people suddenly love this music, which they could have loved all along. That was mm. right there under their noses, but he sold it sort of in a way that was palatable to them. Yeah, which is like it's positive and negative, that sort yeah. of that story isn't it and it's quite it's quite complex the film kind of gives it a glossy sort of yeah um, version telling of it but still i think it's sort of like we know the sort of fan craze around elvis and how it happened like just girls going completely insane for him i always Mm. went like what's that about (laughs) what's going on there but like it'd be the same at like a harry styles concert now or Hmm. you know beatles mania like oh, people totally. love what they love and if this guy was coming out and 
saying things that they've always wanted to say and hearing fun things and not being so stiff and proper and upper class, of course young people are going to gravitate towards that, right? Well, I think the film does a good job of showing the repressed society they're in mm. and he is the first guy to be the teen idol. Yeah. And so that's it's even crazier than, you know, One Direction coming along is like the 10th yes. iteration of yeah. that 50 years later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It does maybe goes a bit too far sometimes, but showing his effect on on the ladies in the audience. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that little bit, but yep. You uh, love to wiggle. You he know? does love to wiggle. <laughs> um, and and showing like he's performing there with other country, country and western music stars, who were just standing still and sort of half girdling, and all of a sudden this guy comes along and he's putting on performance and. He's actually gripping you. That 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 is that's a good example of how interesting that would have been and how invigorating. It was a little bit like you know at first he's scared and then two seconds later he's on stage and he's he's perfect and he's he's fine. Like it wasn't much of a struggle, but maybe that's true. Maybe Elvis was just Elvis from the get go. Maybe it was a bit weird with his mum though. That we weirdly close, isn't it? We, it's a weird yeah. close relationship. I mean, I get it because mm. she had. Two children and one died. Obviously, it's mm. going to make a very strong connection form between you and the surviving child, but just bit bit too close. <laughs> it was strange to me, and this is just totally a weird thing I've thought of, and I don't think anyone else would have thought of it potentially. But like to me, Elvis has always been Elvis, like you know, with his leather black suit and his later years when he's on stage and in vegas and stuff he's just always been there like as elvis mm. and then the beginning of this film there was a scene when he's like having dinner with his parents in like a little um unit in, mm. in memphis I'm like, oh wait yeah elvis came from somewhere he wasn't just always that you <laughs> he know? didn't just appear on stage one day with fake does, totally and that shows you obviously what an impact he had in enduring his legacy and whatnot the fact that i never thought of that before potentially mm. but still he, um, it really shook me a bit to see that. And, and he was a kid and I was like, oh, he's, he was a child at one point and he yeah, he wasn't just always Elvis, but in, in some ways I guess he was. Hey, That um, mm. era with the black the black leather suit is pretty good, eh? Hey? Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty epic. Good, pretty good. Stuff. It was a great sequence in the film as well, the outdoor concert with the police. Yeah. I really enjoyed that sequence where well they said, you're not allowed to wiggle anything, and he just went, no, nope, stuff you. I'm going to completely I'm gonna wiggle. be myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I just thought the whole thing was really well done. Mm. The film, I think it was just the, the style of the film and, and how it does things and how it moves through time and is a kind of a kaleidoscope, and it's got different bits here and there all sort of combining and mashed together. But it was a little bit like... There's bad stuff going on in America, people being shot, you know, civil rights leaders are being killed on the street. Mm. And then Elvis sings a song and then it's like, okay, everything's back to normal, everything's good now. Elvis fixes everything, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd love that song. It's one of his best songs, If I Can Dream. And the performance and how it's shot here and he's doing it against everyone's wishes and our mate's like, no, just sing the Santa Claus song. He's like, no, I'm going to sing this song about how America should be better and we should all strive for, for more. But it was kind of mm. like, all right, that's my hands off, solved. Yeah, but I think it's more of a more of an ex- of a illustration of how the film is just sort of moving through things and telling a story through this sort of kaleidoscope rather than 
them really saying Elvis solved racism. Well, the other thing is, so this film takes place over quite a large time period, right? You've got Elvis as a child, Elvis is sort of a teen at the start of his career, right up to mm. just before his death. And to cover that but much not... ground, there's going to be gaps in the story, I think. Yes. And also it's not just like we'll watch him be a child, then a teenager, then an adult. It's no, you know, it's no. right, everything, you know, you have to sort of keep up quickly to, yes. to work out what's yeah. going on. Yeah, I, see, I feel you. All right, then. Well, give it a rating, I reckon, this eh? How many wiggles are you going to give it? <laughs> um, I'm going to give it four wiggles, I think. Four wiggles out of five. Five okay, wiggles, yeah. I thought it was okay. really good. I think I love Baz, so he's already, you know, on a good mm-hmm. footing with me. Um, I thought Austin Butler was incredible and... Tom Hanks, while I don't think it's a great performance necessarily, it certainly worked and I just thought it was really well done. It felt very polished. Yeah. It does all work in the end, doesn't it? After yeah. being a bit concerned at various points um, watching it. I think it does work. Correct. All right, then. Well. Wait, what are you rating it? Oh, four stars. Sorry, sorry I thought I said that. Yes, four stars for me also. <laughs> Correct. Um, all right. I don't think we've got much Elvis content in the back catalogue. But we've got plenty of Tom Hanks. I think we did a pod on Bohemian Rhapsody, did we not? Oh, we did. We would have, yes. And maybe Rocket Man, I'm not sure about that one. But mm. I'll check. Yeah. Have a check. Um, apparently we watched Blue Hawaii once. Who knows? Um, maybe we just me. saw some of it on TV. Yeah. But I definitely watched it. Watched some of okay. it, at least. Okay. <laughs> um, but please get in touch with us and give us your thoughts on Elvis and Baz and who you know, I can't wait to see what Baz does next he's one of a kind isn't he he really is yeah. alright then um, thanks for listening please get in touch and we'll see you next time goodbye bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt free dream come true baby It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 